0: They're trying to go vision board for the the three houses around the world that are on the, on the beach or overlooking the ocean, and maybe they have a private plane in there, which there's nothing wrong with that. The way I like to do it is if life never got better than this, it would be more than good enough.
1: Stories stir the soul.
2: Stories reveal.
1: And stories heal.
2: In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough,
1: Real people, real stories, with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach, and Todd as a men's mentor,
2: we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well, this could be your biggest breakthrough.
1: Hello and welcome to Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pet.
2: I'm Todd Isburner. And you know, my wife, Wendy, really loves to shop.
1: I I mean, I do, but I don't. But you're not. But
2: you, no, you don't abuse it. You're a good shopper. And you know what I especially love about you? I love it when you find two for one deals.
1: Oh, I love that too, actually. Well, and you're you're (laughs) going to love it today
2: because in today's episode, you're going to get a two for one story.
1: Yeah. About,
2: uh huh, about breakthroughs with money and with health and how they tie together.
1: Yes, yes, yes. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Actually, today you're going to, um, hear from Christina Wise. And she is going to share with us a couple of things, but one of them is you're going to understand that you probably fall into one of three buckets yeah. pertaining to money. One, mm-hmm. meaning you can't make it. Two, you can't keep it or you overspend. Or three, you make a lot, have a lot, but you feel you feel guilty spending it. Yeah.
2: There's some powerful wisdom in what she oh, shares about okay. that. That's you're so also good. going to understand how money affects your worthiness and your value.
1: Yes. And you're going to understand how it affects your health and how to ensure that your health isn't negatively affected by your relationship oh, man, with a big, money. That's a big right.
2: Big. Yeah. And yeah. also, lastly, but most importantly, I think uh, she's going to share with you the key to gaining the right perspective and maintaining the right health and wealth and it's all as a result of surrender. I don't need to say a whole lot she's more because she looks good on that.
1: Oh yeah. So Christina, why? She's a mom of two. She's an avid runner, and some would say that um, she's a reading and learning addict. And she is uh, has an obviously loud and frequent laugh. <laughs> yeah, but it's laugh, but it's delightful. Is great. It is delightful. But she's a woman on a big mission. Let me tell you, she is a real estate mogul, millionaire coach, and creator of several multimillion-dollar businesses, including Good Life Luxury, The Paperless Agent, and Wealthy Wealthy. And that's wealthy as in money wealth, and then wealthy as in healthy wealthy, W-E-L-L, wealthy. Um, She's an international speaker and author of the Amazon bestseller, Uh, Falling for Money, a romance novel for your bank account, and she has been named one of of the 100 most influential real estate leaders in the country. She's been featured in USA Today as well as by Apple, um, Contractually, and Evernote for her creative leadership with emerging technologies. Wow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough, Christina Wise. It's so awesome to have you on this podcast. You were on Visibly Fit. Now we're having you here on your biggest breakthrough. This is so fun.
2: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Especially taking time out of your busy schedule because you can be extraordinarily busy because if anybody she used to be, (laughs) she still is, but it's in a very balanced and intentional because if someone Googles you, they're going to immediately conclude, Oh, She's pretty successful, at least based on their definition of success, because you really did. You made it incredibly big in the real estate world. You were learning from the best and the brightest mentors, even like Gary Keller, really, (laughs) he mentored you and he kind of helped you along your career. And then you you hit what might be called like the pivotal top of real estate. You were well-known. You became an international speaker, an award-winning author of the Amazon bestseller, Falling for Money. You were named one of the 100 most influential real estate leaders in the country. Like that's, she that's rocks. a mind Come blower. On. <laughs> and, I, and in your own words, you pretty much thought you made it. And then the unspeakable happened and you experienced this unpredictable, life-threatening illness.
1: Yeah. And then that was just the beginning stages of setting you up for some incredible breakthroughs in your health and your wealth. And so we're going to get the details of all of that in this podcast, but 1st I want you to take us back to your roots. Let's talk about the beginning and get a little bit of an idea of who you are, where you came from, and just your
0: beginnings in life. I like to tell a story that in the middle of, let's say that epic success you were mentioning, my father would, he would go come to all my events. He was just super proud and he came to everything. He and his wife like came to everything that I did. This was in Austin, Texas. And one time he's telling a story and a big group of people around. So he used to do a lot of events and networking and stuff as part of my business. And my dad was telling a story and he said, yeah, my nickname was Cricket. Nobody knows that either. That my oh, only, where's my the, dad, cricket? Only, the <laughs> cricket only, sound effect we need, but he said, yeah, that's the crickets. Right. And he said, yeah, cricket, you know, when, you know, when we lived in that trailer home, that first trailer home, and he's going on and telling this whole story about our little bitty travel sized trailer that we lived in for years and we upgraded to a single wide and we upgraded to double wide from that but at that time this was i hadn't i was so ashamed and embarrassed of him telling that story i was petrified and angry and i didn't probably if you looked at me i was just changed colors even and afterwards i said dad You never, ever tell anybody that again. I don't want anyone to ever know that I started Trailer Home because I was, again, so shamed and embarrassed. So now in this part of the journey, it's like, yeah, it's just part of the story. And I think it's an important part of the story because I just like to say it's despite where we came from and there's alcoholism, there's abuse. It was those that upbringing was pretty brutal and just in a shady environment altogether lots of fights about this thing called money by the way so it's just that's where I began was in a very teeny tiny small town is a one-stop sign town not even a stop light town, stop light town mm. and started there it's I, the only, the reason why I love telling that story is for anybody listening is really anything is possible we we can shape our futures we can use our past we can let those let go of identities or stories or things that no longer service and really can architect and create the life that we want it's not a straight linear up it has lots of ups and downs and roller coasters to it but at the end of the day it really is remarkable if i just sit down between me myself and i and thank god and think you know be so grateful for all the miracles that have happened in this process also but yeah, this is my life now, and this wow. is what's possible in a lifetime.
2: It it just kind of makes me sad for people who are classified in a certain category unfairly, and I'm talking about people who live in trailer parks, oftentimes are judged by others as being less than. It just breaks my heart because that's so untrue. That's such a nasty lie. And you growing up had to process that whole thing a little bit later as you got older. Oh my gosh, I grew up in a trailer home. And I just, I commend you and we credit God for bringing you to a place of freedom, no longer embarrassment or shame. And it sounds like it, it didn't happen because you became successful. It happened in spite of becoming successful.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of story in there. And What's interesting that I think so many of us can relate to, and you said the word is the not good enough. And, you know, so much because I started in those beginnings and growing up in that type of situation as a kid, I never fit in because I I was the kid on the other side of the tracks and one of those kids, the trailer park kids, right? And so there is judgment and kids know that you're considered less than you're judged. You don't fit in. And I was lucky because some I had sports and I had things that kept me motivated and focused And because I was a pretty good athlete, maybe that kept me straight. But it's very easy then for kids to get into drugs, to get into things that I'd say a lot of my peers got into because you feel that is a young age from I was just maybe wired a certain way too. like I knew I wanted to get out. And from a young age, I learned kind of part of the story. I started learning that if I could figure out ways to make money, because I wasn't going to get it from my parents, my parents were never around anywhere at that time. But I figured if I could get this thing called money, then I could fit in and I could fit in because I could then buy the Jordache jeans. I could mm, buy the, right. the glory of Vanderbilt. No, Remember <laughs> the glory of Vanderbilt, that's right. And I could buy these things. And so the interesting thing about that is once I was able to start buying things, that caused others to judge me differently Then I started to fit in.
1: Hold that thought real quick, because immediately I want to say, wow, the seduction of that lie, right? Mm. Because all of a sudden we're like, Ooh, I'm accepted because I have this material stuff. And then you lose sight of who you really are. And I want to go back to you wanting to fit in, but what was that trip trigger, so to speak of what catapulted you to want to really make money? And what was that first thing that you did to earn money and see the
0: the Jordache genes come to fruition and that kind of thing? What did you do? Yeah. I mean, at first it was just trying to make money to be able to, when you're on the school lunch program, you're judged also. So somehow like I didn't want to be judged that way anymore. And this was just a little girl that was wanting to try to figure out with that age intellect. And you don't know very much. You just can see what you can see or experience what you can experience but I thought if I can make enough money where I can make my own lunches or buy my own lunches then maybe I won't be judged I won't be made fun of by oh she's on the school lunch program so it's a little thing like that so one little thing and then I would notice like oh now that I can buy lunches nobody calls me those names anymore oh now that I can figure out how to buy a pair of jeans that's not high water jeans. They don't call me high water Christina anymore. There's just little bitty things. so So just really starting to wire. So there was the good side and the not so good side that came out of that. The good side is that I think what that did as a young age is it caused me to want to make money. So I got very good at making money from a young age. And then I'd go door to door. I'd sell stuff. If I wanted to go to basketball camp, we'd sell candy bars and I'd sell more. I'd sell 10x the candy bars. Anybody else would sell with their parents trying to help them. They would pay for my basketball. So I just learned the reward, yeah. you know, that reward system. Oh, this works. That works. So I just got very money focused. And again, at that young age, the message I received, like you said, it's a big fat lie. But the what it, it was true at the moment that the more things I bought that had a certain label attached to it, the more that I fit in. So now let's fast forward to an adult. Still love making money, really good at it, can make a lot of money now, especially in real estate where I started, make more money than I ever thought was possible to make. But what is my story? Has my story changed? My story is exactly the same, that enough is never enough. There's never good enough, more is always better. I need to fit in with the next group and the next group and the next group up that echelon and that ladder, breaking the ceiling, Hmm. breaking the ceiling deep inside. It was all like, I had no internal personal reward system. Everything was based on how I felt others judged me. So I was just completely motivated by material, how I looked, the success, how many accolades I had. And that was a whole motivation trying to prove out this, I'll be good enough when. Mm. And that was part of what took me to that place where it took me to my knees because I was just, it was unsatisfiable. It was just constantly in search of trying to be more because inside I didn't feel good enough. And I just keep going to get that kind of outside heroin dose in a way that outside approval to make me feel good about myself. And you can never feel good about yourself that way. And I didn't know that until I had my kind of whole collapse. And then that's what came it's ah shit I don't know if I love myself I don't feel good enough and what just to final that story is that what exacerbated all that is when I was like in bed and I'd lost everything and nobody I didn't have my work anymore to be able to tell me that I was good enough Mm -hmm. I was just there with me and I then I'm depressed and I'm sad and I'm I, and I just thought I'm nobody if I'm not successful. And now I had to deal with that story of what if nobody knows who I am anymore? And what if I can never speak on a stage ever again? And I don't think I'm going to come out of this. And so now this like human suffering, because I didn't know who I was, I didn't I don't know if I liked myself or not. I felt with a lot of regret of stuff that kind of people I hurt and maybe things I stepped on to even reach some of the level of success that I did because everything was success focused. So I didn't even like aspects of myself. I realized I didn't even agree. I didn't, I was, the whole thing was just, I felt I just had to be there with myself and realize I don't feel like I'm anything if I'm not successful. And that's kind of where it started. That real internal work had to start and where we talked about before, just had to let go and and go to surrender. surrender.
1: Christina, right now you're talking to someone else that's high water. so So they've got that same loop that's playing on in their mind, but they maybe have never even gotten to the success pinnacle, quote unquote, success with money pinnacle. But they're still carrying around that same story, which is keeping them from earning a healthy living and feeling and knowing who they really are, what would you say about that or to that person that is still listening to that loop? And maybe they have a, they have a drive. They want to be different and better, but they don't know how to get off of that loop in order to even make healthy money.
0: Yes. It's the part of the, where money gets money and good enough are very, Mm -hmm. intertwined and connected Mm -hmm. with this subconscious belief that if I made enough money or had enough money again, subconsciously, or could make enough, that would make me worthy. So there's a worthiness connected to how much money we make or how much money we have. And that's where the big fat lie is that they're totally separate. And so we have to take kind of money out of the equation first and not relate our worthiness around this thing called money. And just relate our worthiness around, you know, I'm perfect because God made me perfect and I'm here for a reason and I love myself and it's completely independent of money and how much money I make. My worthiness is not anything connected to my money. And so that's they have to be separated as a first step. Mm. Yeah. Now, alongside mm. that, say, take somebody like me that you think that money is going to complete the worthiness button. It doesn't. And then just more money you make, the more then it can turn to this ugly thing, because you're, you do connect your worthiness to the money. And if you never feel worthy, you get really lopsided. And like I said, can get out of integrity, can get out of value systems, can make the wrong sacrifices, all for the same money, because that even though you have it, you're still, you think you'll feel more worthy, but you don't feel any more worthy and more money can cause more problems if you haven't done the worthiness work it's
2: so subtle to try to recognize that this relationship that I have with money may not be very healthy, that there needs to be this separation between who I am and what money represents. And so I think it's really challenging for people to address that without some kind of catastrophe taking place, if you will, some chaotic circumstance that sort of just throws you off track, which is exactly what happened to you, correct? You had this unpredictable life-threatening illness hit you, which really puts you in a place where you could begin to evaluate things differently. Talk about that.
0: Yeah. And I think many of us listening have made a lot of money and maybe lost it all. In fact, most multimillionaires, so on and so forth, when I ask them, have you gone bankrupt at least once? They're like, yeah, at least once. So with the, like with the money thing, sometimes this causes losing it all, Losing your health all yeah. the way, losing your money all the way—that is the wake-up, like you said. And it's God will always call our bluff. That we think we we think we know it all, we think we're in charge, we think we have control, until one little thing mm-hmm. takes it all out, and I realize I never had control, and I'm this human experience, and I'm missing the, the why I'm here piece. Yeah. So anyway, with losing it all, first of all, is what you- I say, what I've noticed over time is like we're in these. These three buckets and with the work that I do, which is financial coaching and and helping people really master their relationship with money and kind of the overall skill with money for a better life. And, but the, again, in this context of worthiness, one, one bucket is those that just can't make enough money. And again, conflating the worthiness in it. So then it's, Hey, I'm just not good enough. I can't make enough money. I People don't like me or whatever the case is. So that's that I can't make enough money connected to worthiness. And one of the solutions there, like I said, is that we want to break it from connecting our worthiness to money and separate the two. I'm 100% worthy. I'm perfect. I'm lovable. We can write down all the characteristics and attributes about ourselves and make those things true and spend time doing that and then separate worthiness from value, value is it is that's the words i think worthiness and value get confused value is different like value in the marketplace means hey my level of skill produces this much value in a marketplace and the marketplace will pay me this amount for this value so we can over time really work on different skills that maybe bring on more money so on and so forth but the big takeaway there is to really separate worthiness from value and realize i I, yeah, maybe I'm not making enough money because I am don't offer enough value to command that type of money, but I'm 100% worthy. I'm 100% perfect, imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect, however you want to say it, that type of thing. The second bucket, though, is the second bucket that I would have put myself in means I was making a lot of money. But i couldn't keep the money why because deep inside one i was trying to spend all my money to buy that outward appearance like we talked sure. about the more material things the better better i fit in type of thing that i carried from childhood to adulthood which just led to overspending and to thinking you can buy your happiness which you can't because it goes away very fast and you're buying the next thing and the next thing and trying to fit in with more expensive toys and more expensive everything So that's that second bucket where it's still a worthiness that you're making enough money now, but you don't feel worthy. So it just tends to evaporate and disappear one way or another. Like I would have, I had millions and a few little mistakes I would make and it's all gone. It's like, how do I keep doing this? It's because I hadn't fixed that yet. Whatever subconscious patterning I was in, I had to get rid of the money because I didn't feel worthy to have it. I still stuck in that place. That's like that second bucket that many people find themselves in. And again, it's worthiness work and understanding money and how much is enough. And, and that helps us fix that category. And then the third category are those that make a lot of money, have a lot of money, but feel guilty spending it because it's, I'm not worth it to spend on it. Again, it keeps going down. I'm not worth it. I shouldn't spend this amount of money. That would be a very selfish thing to do, whatever that story is. But you can see that three buckets, but it's all worthiness. So when we're really wanting to tackle this thing called money and have money be more positive, fulfilling, meaningful, spiritual, good place where money's really abundant and we feel prosperous and it's working for us, one of the first places we have to work is it doesn't matter which one of those buckets we're in, like I said, we all have to fix that worthiness button.
1: So those three buckets, I wrote these down here because I'm fascinated by the three, And obviously I would think that you would have this other bucket that you're trying to get these three buckets to kind of go into, right? So what would be the end result of this ultimate bucket that you would want someone to experience?
0: Yeah. I call it the exercise. So everything. So there's three other buckets of money too. Those are the categories that I see with the people I work in. They're coming in one of those three categories and saying, Hey, I need to fix this money's not working for me one way or another It's causing a lot of stress, anxiety, conflict, confusion, whatever. Now with the other three buckets of money, it's looking at, we need to look called lifestyle architecture. So part of that is to, we built in this culture that more is better, more success is better, more money is better, more toys are better, more is better. And, and we're culturally trained to think that way in most Dude, cases. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So what I say is like the way to get out of this, get out of these buckets and the work that we do alongside the worthiness work mm. is kind of a separate thing. That's personal work. But when it comes to the financial piece, I advise people who want to start with something called how much money is enough. And it's a really good starting place as far as a very practical thing to start doing and thinking. And when we ask this question, It's how much money is enough to live a good life? And so it seems like a simple question, but when we just ask ourselves, I always challenge everybody, just go sit down, spend 30 minutes and see if you can come up with the answer to how much money is enough. And where it seems like it'd be an easy question to answer, everyone comes back and says, when I asked that one question, like 10 other questions came up. Yeah, that's usually the case. But how much money is enough is equally philosophical as it is practical. And the philosophical piece is, what is a good life? So my good life is different than your good life. So where we're thinking of money, we're comparing how much money we make compared to how much money everybody else makes. And then this is this comparison game, whether that's explicit or implicit. And we're just in this Joneses, that's what we mean, keep up by the Joneses. Everything is this comparison and we fit in based on the cars my neighbors are driving, the the schools, their kids are going to. We go up this kind of hierarchy of, of, groups of people we are peer groups with with this it's it's just personal work it's no it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks it's pretend you're on an island and nobody got to judge you about what you drove or what car you lived in or what watch you wore or what bag you carried around or just if it's just you and your family and spend time really sketching out what is a good life in as much detail as possible And it's really good work, and this—that's what I call the lifestyle architecture piece—is really architect what your good life is. And again, it's not easy. And you look in all the life categories, like your four categories, Todd, which is faith, fitness, family. But really, look at what you know. What is a good life for my family, and what good life for my my faith, and what I'm going to tie and give away in my philanthropic piece and anything to do faith related, and what is it when it comes to my health and my wellness? Like all these things. And what type of house would make us happy? And if we could drive paid off cars, like what cars are good enough? Because we need transport, right? And just do that work. So it's very philosophical. And even more, I'd say it's work's been around forever. So when people do vision boarding and that type of mm-hmm. thing, that's a tactic to use to try to come up with what is a good life. But my problem with people doing vision boards in many cases is that. They're trying to go vision board for the the three houses around the world that are on the, on the beach or overlooking the ocean. And maybe they have a private plane in there and maybe they have, which there's nothing wrong with that. But we're just, the way I like to do it is for us to get the place of, if life never got better than this, it would be more than good enough, right? That okay. do we have to have a jet to be happy? Most right. people. So that's right. the first piece. And the second I- piece. Is how it's just uh, yeah, I'll complete here. Yeah. The second piece to that is then quantify it. How much mm-hmm. does it to live that life?
2: Just curious because I just want to go back a little bit too because this is such that's such a key question for all of us to ask. And I have a feeling we really need to ask that several times throughout our lifetime because things change throughout our lives. And I'm wondering. Let's go back to when that unexpected illness hits you because I'm guessing you you were regurgitating a lot of the things that you're now teaching during that time of chaos and confusion and fear that you might not even live. So just take us back there for a second, because as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it takes something rather dramatic in our lives to stop us from the craziness in the direction that we're going and the unhealthy relationship we have with money. So can you just expand on that a little bit and then what you were going through during that time?
0: Yeah. So the interesting thing about that story is that, like we talked about offline, is that that I thought I made it and I had made it as far as success goes. I was at a pivotal point in my career, thought I made it. And just the moment at the height of my career, I told myself, Christina, girlfriend, you started a trailer home and you made it.
1: Mm, now you're <laughs> buying them. No. <laughs>
0: now, like, I, It's like I had the industry in my hand. Yeah. I was the person I really was. And in the ego there, granted, I worked really hard and in all the things and all the sacrifices made to to hit that point, but I was very full of myself. Mm. I wouldn't, God wasn't in the picture. I was so like self-made or I thought self-made in a way. And so I think a lot of high ego comes with the low self-worth. So ego kind of balances that out where it's fake self-worth in a way. And so I, I would say I had a lot of that going on. Just again, just it's laughable, but I and I was getting messages to say like the like health messages. I was getting these little messages, but Christina was going to do it Christina's way and keep doing these things. God had to come what out. What kind of messages were you getting? What kind of symptoms were you experiencing? Yeah, I'd, I'd have little. I'd have little. There's a lot of little health things going on. Like I, I had this dental work and my gums weren't healing. I was having some digestive issues. I was in my like. What, late thirties or something. I got a colonoscopy because some things weren't working just, and I wasn't thinking, I'm just like, ah, traditional medicine, doing the things. And they say I'm fine. So I keep going. So there's just these little bitty things were are starting to break down, but I was a marathon runner at the same time. And the marathon mentality is just keep running. <laughs> yeah. Just cross the finish line, pain, what does it mind over matter? And you can push yourself through anything. But coming off that experience that it's just like I had to be taken out by a two by four because I wasn't. Pain. and I think we all get our messages. We're so connected and we're so loved. and but we just I know for me, it's like I just had everything in my hands, I thought. so I wasn't listening. And so I got a big wake-up call. and within forty eight hours of that moment where I thought said I made it, I was on my bed, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. My hair started falling out. My I dropped weight. I was skin and bones. My whole body was just... How long
1: were you in this state? Because this is hair falling out and skin and bones. That doesn't happen overnight. Like it takes,
0: you know, so how long were you in bed? And What was interesting about this, I don't know if it's relevant to anybody else, but I looked fine. I looked... Before that moment happened where I just had a click in my brain and a little mini stroke. And that was just the first domino that took me down all the way. Stress stroke, by the way. And that was what happened this moment in my brain when that 48 hours after that. But before that, I mean, I ran a marathon like three days before Mm. that moment. Mm. I looked healthy. All I thought it was, even though reflecting, I was having all these flags I wasn't paying attention to. But within 30 days, I just started deteriorating so fast. And with six months, wow. I looked like, I was been in Auschwitz and, and nobody could figure out what was wrong. And it was, as you can imagine, it was really scary. And it wasn't what happened to me was from the physical standpoint, it was terrifying because we couldn't figure out what was wrong. And Even regular doctors were saying nothing's wrong. It's like, look at me, seriously, something's going on. But but there was a physical piece that was scary. But then there's some mental emotional piece that now what I had to do, I had to deal with all that stuff that was surfacing, that I'd never dealt with, that I'd just been pushing down and all of that came out. So now I am not only scared physically, but psychologically and emotionally, I'm feeling regret, shame, remorse, fear. I'm terrified. I'm not good enough. I've lost my business. I've lost who I am. I'm nobody important anymore. Nobody's ever going to care. It was mm-hmm. just all at once. So and so-
1: at that point, Christina, how did your faith come into
0: play before yeah. and then during your illness? Yeah. So that took a while. I mean, it's probably nine months of Christina trying to do mm-hmm. even do no- get out it out and trying hard and just like holding on like metaphors like my I'm holding on for dear life and my fingernails are ripping off as I'm holding myself trying to hold on to whatever I had left and just force and all that kind of stuff that kind of probably helped me be successful at a certain level but I was still using that and it, I just remembered the moment where I had nothing left I had no I was done and I just, it was a moment where I just let go and I surrendered and I prayed for a miracle. Mm-hmm. I prayed for a miracle and said, I need help mm-hmm. and I surrender and I can't do this anymore. And if I am meant to stay around, I need your help yeah. and come in and I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> I'll do whatever you tell me and, and just let go. And I think I gave you guys a metaphor. Like I Again, I remember the moment I was in just the metaphor is like I was in total darkness and darkness means again, I was, my body was dying. I was psychologically just in complete existential despair and darkness. And I never considered suicide. Like suicide wasn't a thought for me, but what was a thought for me is I understood why people committed suicide. Like it gave me empathy there because my old hard self is pull yourself up by your bootstrap, suicide. That's who would ever consider that? Like I had, but now it's oh, if people are trapped here forever and they think they will never get out, mm. you want out. Mm. So I understood it, but i reached that point where I understood it, which before I just I couldn't even relate to it. So that created a whole new open heart space and empathy where I didn't have a lot of empathy before. Mm. Wow. So was it yeah, that moment did but dark. And the day that I just surrendered and asked for a miracle and just got to my knees and prayed and say, I'm over myself. I saw this little pinpoint of light, like the size of a needle, the head of a needle, just this little pinpoint of light. But it's like God was talking to me saying, I'm here. I'm the light on the other side of this darkness. And I've got you and we can do this together. And that's all I needed was that little pinpoint. And over time, just going through this and the light just got like expanding until one day I woke up and it's, oh my God, all the darkness is gone. But it was that moment of complete surrender. Mm, Wow. So powerful.
2: Powerful. (laughs) And so indicative too, of who God really is. The God of love. He made you because he loves you. He had a purpose for you. He knew what you were putting yourself through and all he could do because of your strength of will and ego i was is gonna wait. say stubbornness, yeah, stubbornness. <laughs> which i
1: recognize and just
2: just wait on dear precious christina to reach the end of her rope yeah then she'll call out to me oh the and mercy the beauty is that all it took was that that one whisper of a prayer help me god and how many times people just don't realize how willing god will rush in to show himself even though he started that little pinprick of light, it was enough to give you an appetite for more
1: and to overtake the darkness and a desire
2: yeah. to let it go and to trust him. And look at what he's been doing in your life since then. I think it's very powerful, but why do you suppose it's so hard for all of us to let go? We're drivers, we're achievers. We want to accomplish well, things. Well, not we want to everyone.
1: Are, we're all right. not all no, that's drivers. That's true. All like, right. There's some people listening. They're like, that's you and Wendy, but like, Christina, a, but not me. I think
2: a lot of people <laughs> got to get to that place of surrender. Why in the yeah. world? Why is it so hard? just like why do we need that kind of pressure to surrender? Why can't we just surrender without the chaos and the craziness? To
0: answer that question. I'm thinking and reflecting, I was getting messages, but I just wasn't paying attention. and I because I wasn't connected. I, now I'm connected, so I pay attention to the messages. I hear them. In fact, I welcome to receive them. and I want them. I look for them is please talk to me. Tell me what to do. What do you want? To do? What do you need me to do? And it's just again, it's just surrendering over to that place, and it just it's just so much better. Like I don't wow. have to have a yeah. answer. Yeah. yeah, so much better. Yeah,
2: if, yeah if that's the bottom line. It is better than what you think because you're hanging on to things, thinking you're in control. Let it go and see what happens. Now, I'm guessing that there is a deep correlation between your drive for making money and your health issues. Is that right? And if that be the case, why do people not? Notice how the constant drive, drive to make more and more money eventually is going to affect their health. They yeah. go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, just it's I think it's just the messaging we receive culturally. One, it's a drive, like everything we've talked about. When we think money is makes us more worthy in the world and we're driven to make more money. And especially, this is applicable to everyone, but especially for those that are entrepreneurs, there's this entrepreneurial code that you work hard and- you Work know, hard,
1: play hard. Yeah, you work hard, you <laughs>
0: sacrifice so much. And business is hard, as we all know. If so I put myself like, I was the entrepreneurial poster child to start the self-made poster child, start with nothing and you build all these things, but it's subconscious messaging. and When you get there, life will be great. So if you've really, if you reach this pinnacle of, say, business, career, and or financial success, when you get there, then the rest of your life, you can pay attention to, then you can fix your marriage, then you worry about your health. Not that we consciously think that, but it's kind of the subconscious belief. So I think it's there's that there mentality that I need to get there as fast as possible and do whatever it takes without considering the consequences of that. And then for me, in the terms of money, since part of my lesson learned and the reason why it really became the catalyst for what I do now is to understand like, oh, in financial terms, which I understand really well, my body is my number one asset. Yes. Because what happened when my body broke. My business broke. Mm. My family broke. Everything started breaking. And it's, oh my goodness, that wasn't in the entrepreneurial handbook. Uh, If you lose your health. And then I had to use all my wealth to get my health back. And then it's like starting over. So what's the point of losing my health in the process to build all this material and financial and business success, and then have to start over again. (laughs) Like that defeats
1: this. I'm so glad you brought that up, Christina, because whenever I'm talking to potential patients, a lot of times they'll say, once I get the remodel done on the house, then I'll take care of my health. Or once I get so-and-so through college, then I'll take care of my health. And it's interesting. So even if they're not at the pinnacle of their success financially, they're, they're still in that mindset, right? They're not understanding that your health is your true wealth. And I know you and I talk about that a lot. That's a powerful thing. And so the lesson that you learned is that, yeah, your health is your number one asset. And so for those that are listening, that are kind of maybe getting a check in their spirit about that, what would you say to them? Ready, set, go. If you're even considering or needing some health assistance, why wait A thing, or what would you say to them to get them out
0: of their stuck mindset? I think it's, I think first of all, it's just, we have to get to the place and this can even go back to worthiness too, is that when we love ourselves, we really want to take care of this vessel, this physical Mm -hmm. vessel, this body that we get to experience life through. But we really have to love ourselves and value ourselves to do that and love and value our body and talk about God's miracle in the form of our body and our body's natural desire to want to heal itself. And if we could get out of our body's way, it's, it's true miracle how this thing works. And it's so sophisticated, intelligent. It's God's intelligence far beyond our intelligence to even know how to operate, fix this thing. But I think it starts there. It's to get to a place of I love myself so much. I love myself as a mother that I want to be a healthy mother to my kids and be able to have the energy and vitality and in all the things. And I love myself as a wife when I want to be able to have energy and vitality and all the things there. And I love myself as a contributor to the world and how I can help other people when I'm healthy and well. And I love myself for me and God's creation and my just the love of being and experiencing life. So it's, it It really to worthiness and love. Yeah. And when we love ourselves, like we want to take care of our body. Mm-hmm. So that's that desire there first. Everything starts mm-hmm. with desire. The second piece where I bump into it all the time, and Wendy, you probably do too. Then here comes the money piece. Hell, Now my body is has these issues and it's expensive to fix the thing. I don't want to spend the money on me. And then you have to get to the point of what's more important. Is there anything more important than investing in your health? two types of investing. There's investing up front so that you don't have problems later on. So we're investing, maybe spend a little bit more, more money on organic food and making sure maybe we have a health coach and that we're doing all the things to mitigate or to maybe slow down any type of de- degeneration that lifestyle and does. But then for most of us, when we're hitting middle age, then our bodies are breaking. And so you hit middle age and all of a sudden there's all these things that are happening and we're experiencing these symptoms. I'm speaking to the choir. So, you know, you're, we all know, (laughs) but now it's, oh, I have all these symptoms. I'm, I'm just tired all the time. I have no energy. I uh, have these aches and pains. I'm moody. I'm whatever these symptoms are, I don't feel normal. And now we finally go to Wendy and get some work done, get some labs and testing. And it's, oh, we've got all these things wrong with this. Because it's been 10, 20, 30 years of our body slowly breaking down because we've yeah. not been investing at it. We've just been using it and not treating it well because it bad health doesn't happen overnight. It happens over years.
1: Same with bad money. That's why they
0: go together. Yeah. So now it's all of a sudden, okay, it's going to cost me $10,000, $20,000 to fix these issues. It's ten dollars or $20,000 to invest in my body. That's not covered by insurance. So now it's just, it goes on and we don't do it. But again, it's like, we have to say... I want to invest in me. I want to be healthy no matter what the price tag is. And This is where it starts because I cannot make more money. I can't enjoy my life. I can't be here a long time if I don't make that investment. And there's no more important financial investment than my health investment. This can allow me to do all these things later on. For so sure. it's just getting to that place. And then financially, it's like, all right, do I want a new car or do I want to invest in my health? Do I want Netflix and do I want all these other things or do I want to invest in my health? it's pretty easy once we just look at the trade offs and say my health is more important than these other things it's very rare that people can't find the money to invest in themselves to get their health back but again it starts with the
1: value system.
2: That's it. That is such good perspective. You remind me of what my dad used to say years ago, son, use your common sense. And I'm thinking <laughs> about what you're saying is really, it's just, it's common sense. It's hard to do because I think that the culture has us so brainwashed in all the wrong ways. But the reality is we do, we have relationships with people. We have relate relationships with ourselves, hopefully relationship with God. But I think people underestimate the reality of a relationship with money and what some of the outcomes are based on what that relationship is like, including health that can go south. So I just love your perspective on things, Christina. And you're like the voice calling out from the wilderness (laughs) to help people wake up to the reality of how these things play into everyday life and what a healthy relationship with money is all about. So cannot thank you enough for the work that you're doing. And you were at that pinnacle of success quote, if you will, in the real estate world. You've gone through a couple of remakes, but you're so much wiser now because of your, what That's you. What's
1: your last through. name, Wise.
2: I know. Yes. It's just not a coincidence. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so thank you for the work that you're doing. And we're going to put in the show notes where people can find you and how they can come to you for additional help and coaching and perspective and all the good things that you offer.
1: Definitely. Yeah. We thank you. We appreciate you, Christina. I just love you dearly, like a sister. And I love every chance that we get to see you in person. So hopefully, we'll get yeah. to see you again soon. But we want to wrap this up with just a fun question, Todd. Yeah. Because we like to do that. Yeah. Like what's- I did this before on my podcast. Maybe we'll do a oh, different one.
2: All right. Take a question. I'll do a different
1: one. Right. What would be one word or phrase that just sums up the in- entirety of who you are in this stage of the game?
0: Oh my gosh! Give me an easier one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's the first What's your thing that, favorite color? <laughs> no,
2: what's the first thing that comes to mind when when you're summarizing who Christina Wise is? All right. So, what do you want to be known for?
0: I, one thing I, what comes to mind when you ask that question. I just want to be an example of what's possible. I could tell story after story and come back after come back, and of what's possible, and that really just being getting out of the rat race getting out of that situation where you care so much about what other people think just a quick little story with one of my students we what you're talking about is that that she was having some health concerns and it was probably going to cost i don't know somewhere between 15 20000 dollars for her to do all the work she's going to do to get her health back based on what she was told and then they her husband wanted to buy a tesla and they were going to put the twenty thousand dollars on the Tesla and do the. And they want to drive the Tesla. It was a complete family episode because the Tesla went out. I think that we have health and wellness of the family, but the Tesla was more important mm. when they had to make the choice. And it's just, I think it's an example to look at that: Do we really need a Tesla? Like, why do we need a $100,000 Tesla
1: real quick? And I wonder Mm. if that was a mutual decision, because if it was a his decision, imagine how she would feel as the wife. Okay, I'm not worthy enough or valued enough.
0: Interesting. It really is. And I didn't go into it that far, but that was where it played out. But it's just I like to use an example of where are we making those types of decisions? Because if we put ourselves in that desert island, I think, and nobody was judging us by the car we drove, we probably wouldn't care so much about the Tesla. We might make, if we want an electric car, there might be different ones to choose from that come with a different price tag than this one. So anyway, part of that is, like I said, just to be an example of true health and happiness, you know, what I call a counterbalanced life, anything's possible. And it's just when we get out of the rat race and we really get to this place of just core happiness. And core happiness is not the money. I'm the money person. So I love money. I love making money. I love having money. I love spending money. But it's not about the money. It's about the life. In life, there's two pieces of life that really make life meaningful. One is our health. We've just talked about my story and your story and everybody else's story. When we lose our health, the quality of life goes down regardless of how much money you make. And then our relationships and we sacrifice our health and we sacrifice our relationships to make money and it's reverse order. So my message is, is no, let's make our values around God and our relationships and who we love and who loves us, that they're good enough, we're good enough and make our health a priority, our family priority, and then just figure out how much money is enough to make sure that we can take care of that and then make money fun. That's That's
1: perfect. I love it. Make money fun. I like that. All right, Christina, you're awesome. God bless you. Thanks for being on.
2: Thank you, Great. Christina.
1: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. That was awesome with Christina Wise. She's a very,
2: it? very wise woman, uh-huh. as her last name indicates, yes, but her yes, life she experience she is is, uh, is really profound. profound. You can learn a lot from her.
1: Yes, and so you can too. If you go to wisemoneymethod.com, uh, check out what she has to offer there. And she even has a two-minute financial IQ quiz and um yeah, take that, check out your score, and it'll determine kind of your relationship with money. I think you'll find it uh very interesting. She also has another website called wealthy wealthy dot um dot, dot life. I think, but it, we'll let's... put it in the show notes. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but that was so fun. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll share this episode with others. And if you're looking for some coaching yourself, uh whether it's health and wellness coaching or Faith, Family, Fitness, Finance, uh, go to um, Todd's website. Yes, Toddisware.com. Todd yes. and
2: uh, get yourself a free book there, there and go. also sign up for a course uh, that we've just launched and a, a special coaching group. So yeah, would love to see you in there.
1: Yeah, and you can go to my website if you're looking for some health coaching at wendypet.com and uh, we can have a little conversation, see if it's a good fit, but we'd love to talk with you and get you into a healthy Uh, Space. So as you heard from Christina, your health is your true wealth. She said that exactly, but that's what I'm saying. And if you think of
2: anybody (laughs) that you feel might benefit from what has been shared on today's episode, please share that. Uh, just send them the link or just get in touch with them. However you want to get in touch. And by the way, if you haven't yet given us a, like a thumbs up, you know, rated this. I don't think
1: they like, do that, that thumbs but, up thing. I no, think it's, that's a, Facebook. I think I know, it's but, subscribe. Oh, I, I know. I think it's even rating. You have and to a do, review. But there's
2: a like now thing that you have to hit on Facebook.
1: Yeah. You got to do, please do it. We appreciate it. But writing a review actually helps the algorithm, so to speak. And it'll take us to the um, kind of take us to a top, uh, area for people to find our podcast so if you enjoy this show please help us by spreading the word all right be blessed and we'll catch you next time in your biggest breakthrough head on over to your biggest breakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there so thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time